Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to all of our locations today. Welcome Concord, welcome Davidson, welcome Loft, welcome Adult and Teen Challenge, welcome online. Come on Concord, welcome everybody. We love you guys and are thankful. Um, you, know what's, you know what's just one of the hundred cool things about CFA is that we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And even today when we're sitting here, we're connected with people literally around the world, uh, uh, people joining us and, and just part, all part of the, the, the kingdom of God family, of course, but also the CFA family. And uh, just thankful to be a part of that. Well, my assignment today is I want to speak some hope and some meaning and some purpose and some life into your life out of the book of Ecclesiastes. That's my assignment. That's my assignment. So if you're familiar with the Bible, you're like, Pastor, I don't know if you can do that because that's one of the most depressing books of the entire uh, canon of Scripture. Pastor, that's like trying uh, to hop me up on decaf coffee. Ain't going to work. And, and I, agree, like, I agree with you most of the time. Like Ecclesiastes, nah, if you want to like, pick me up, if you've got five minutes in the morning and you're like super stressed, headed out the door, and you're like, I need a quick pick-me-up word from the God, probably like Leviticus. Ecclesiastes, not the top two books you're going to turn to. I might recommend more like Psalms or the book of John or something like that. But, but, I, but I found a key in here. I found a key. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit is going to help to uh, unlock even some more meaning in your, in your life. So when, like when you think of people that have kind of made it, uh, like it's the top of their game, the top of their profession. You may think about like an NFL player, right? So not only so you're a, a kid in your backyard, you're, you're, you made the junior high team, or you're playing varsity. What's the, what's the dream? The dream is always to play in the NFL someday. So not only have you made it to the top of your profession, but the, the NFL really in Western culture, like that kind of represents the pinnacle, right? Of even, even people that aren't football fans watch football. And it's kind of like the top of the field in the top of all the fields. But I was reading an, an article by Forbes magazine, and Forbes was talking about that the average NFL player, um, the average NFL player, any, any guess as to how many years it takes for them, not just to have a little less money, not just to return to their college years of eating ramen noodles, but for them to declare bankruptcy. They're completely broke. The average NFL player, how many years it takes for that to happen? Five years. Five years. Now anybody want to take a guess as to what percentage of NFL players that happens to? What percentage of people who play in the NFL five years after they throw their last pass, make their last block, hit their la make their last tackle, how many, what percentage of them are completely bankrupt? 80%. 80% are you cheering because you got the answer right or because that they're bankrupt and you're like yeah I know somebody that's worse off than me I feel better about no I'm sure that you're cheering because you got the answer right but that's that's crazy right like these guys make millions so the average the average NFL salary is two million dollars lean over to the person on your right tell them that's a lot of money 
And I know all the math majors are like, yeah, but Pastor Doug, the quarterbacks are bringing the average up. Okay, okay, well, let's go to the median salary. The median NFL salary is still $750,000. Lean over to the person on your left, say that's still a lot of money. Average tenure in the NFL is somewhere around three to four years. So the people that have made it to the top of the field, in the top of all the fields, 80% of them are completely broke in five years. Pastor, I thought you said this was a message about hope and encouragement. That isn't encouraging my minimum wage uh, Starbucks self right now. Like, like how are we, how are we, and I know they pay more than minimum wage, but you get the idea. How, so so how, how does this happen? How does this happen? And how does this like meaninglessness make itself into you when you're at the top of your game? And then, and then there's, peop- there's people like Tom Brady. So I uh, read an article about Tom Brady after he had won his it was third, third. After he had won his third Super Bowl, uh, 60 Minutes did an interview with Tom Brady. And, you know, not only have you won one, you've won, now you've won multiple. I mean, that's like upper, upper, upper echelon now of quarterbacks that have won three or more Super Bowls. Tom, how, how are you feeling? And basically, this is a little bit of a paraphrase, but basically, and the author says it like this. He says, man, I thought it would mean so much more. He says, he says, basically the paraphrase was, there's, there's still, there's got to be more to life than this. And so I just want to say to Tom, because I'm sure he's watching online today, I just want to say, Tom, that feel free to stop whenever you want. Like the rest of us as NFL fans would just like, and they're clapping because they bless you into retirement. To sp- <laughs> You're in church, y'all. <laughs> we bless you with, with increased time with your children and your wife to travel or do whatever else you want to do. Like, but that's, but that's crazy. Like this, this meaninglessness that's connected to, and we're just thinking, man, if I could make a few more dollars, like if I could just have one year of my life that was a six-figure salary, if I could hit 750 for one year of my life, and, and yet it translates into meaninglessness. And Solomon, Solomon could have told us all this. 6,000 years before, but, but King Solomon, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, y'all, he had it all. He says that he had riches, he had wealth, he had wisdom, he had women, he, had, he tried folly, he tried being serious, he tried family, he tried building houses, he tried, he tried all of this stuff. And Ecclesiastes 2.11 is kind of the synopsis of all of this. And these are his own words. These are his own words. Like the wisest, richest man of the pinnacle of the, any nation at that time says this, I had everything a man could desire. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all meaningless. Remember that we talked about that we can hit uh, a phrase like that at multiple points in our lives, sometimes when we're in pain, sometimes when life is just kind of mundane and boring. But here's when it gets really scary, is when you actually achieve something in life that you thought you wanted, and it doesn't mean what you thought it would mean. That gets a little panicky. And so Solomon is just kind of that. So that word meaningless, meaningless, talked about this last week, but it, it means vapor. 
It means wind. So go home today and put on a pot of boiling water and take the, take the lid off and try and grasp the vapor. Try and grasp the vapor. That's what the next raise is going to mean. That's what the next promotion is going to mean. That's what, the, that's what the next remodel project is going to mean. That's what the next car is going to mean. That's, that's how long you're going to enjoy the next pair of shoes. And like we know it's true, right? We know that to be true because we don't need Solomon to tell us that. Our experience tells us that. That we get things and then they wear out and that new car smell only lasts so long. And so, so meaninglessness means temporary. Anything that is temporary in your life, if you put hope and faith into that, it will not yield a return in your life. It will diminish and it will begin to fade and that's so frustrating and, and yet Ecclesiastes 3.11, so you got to contrast a 2.11 which is meaninglessness with Ecclesiastes 3.11. Now Solomon says this, now he has this, this glimpse of hope, this glimpse of, of insight into meaning and he says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful. So he starts to see beauty. He starts to see meaning. He says he's made everything beautiful for it in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. And so if meaninglessness is connected to things that are temporary, meaning in your life is always connected to things that are eternal. And if you think about the way we live our lives, sometimes it makes sense why so often we're disappointed with even our own achievements. So I'm gonna kind of tweak a little bit of a metaphor that C.S. Lewis used. So if you think of your life as a, as a book or a series of books or as a volume of books, and, and if you think about how much time we spend on, so maybe you're writing a book. Let's pretend you're all, you're all authors and you're all, you're all writing a book. No, ma no matter what your 10th grade English teacher told you, you can be an author at least for the next three minutes this morning. So you're all, you're all writing a book about your life. And I want you to think about this. Uh, if you were to spend, like spend the next three months of your life on the first chapter. Well, no, 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 not, let's say not the first chapter. Let's say the first page. Wait, let's back that up a little bit more. Let's not say the first page. Let's say the first sentence of the first paragraph. Right? You've got an entire book about your life, but you're going to spend the next three months writing the first sentence of the first paragraph. Well, if uh, your life is not just represented by that book, but by all these books, because um, tell your neighbor, you're going to live for eternity. Like, you're, we're all going to live forever, right? So this is our, your life is not just a book. Your life is this library, and that's just your first week in eternity. Like, it goes on and 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 on. That's your life. And think about if you had spent all of that time just writing one sentence, that's kind of frustrating because you have a very narrow and limited view of your entire life. Well, think about that. Think about that. That makes sense. Now it makes sense why the things in life that I thought were important aren't so important because they're so temporary when life is eternal. So the more that you are able to connect your life to the eternal and to eternity, the more meaning and the more purpose you will begin to experience. So let's go on with verse 11. The second part of that says this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart, but even so people cannot see they can't see 
So eternity is this olam, it means antiquity and futurity. Uh, they can't, so, so that's eternity, and this word see is this idea of a, of a mental picture, a mental vision. So you've got eternity in your heart, but you can't, you can't see it. Now can you, can you really start to feel King Solomon's frustration? Everything that I thought would give me meaning in my life and in my past has failed me. But now I'm having a little bit of a moment where I feel it, but I, but I can't see it. And I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, but that can, be, that can be really frustrating. Like you're walking through the mall and you're like, I am feeling that, th those pair of shoes, but you see the zeros that in your, are in your bank account. You can't afford it. Like I'm feeling it, but I, but I can't see it. I am feeling, I'm feeling my calling to be a, uh, a physicist and an engineer, and you are seeing the D minus on your science test. Like, you ever, you ever like, you've been, you, man, I'm 19 year old, years of age. I am feeling, I'm feeling a relationship. I'm feeling marriage, and you are seeing no possibility of a date anywhere in your future. Like, there's a, frustra there's a frustration between that gap of something that you're feeling and something that you can't see. And many of us live our lives there spiritually. Like, I feel, I feel frustrated. I feel like there's got to be more peace. I feel like there's got to be more joy. I feel like there's got to be more to life than this. But I can't see it. And that's where we end up with this thing called hopelessness and it's tied to our vision it's tied to our vision so I want to believe for here's what I'm believing for for you is that you get that word that word to see chazon chazon it means this mental picture it means a vision it means that God we're going to pray at the end that God begins to open our eyes and gives us and allows us just to see a little bit of how our lives are connected to eternity so your purpose is an eternal purpose if what you're doing isn't connected to eternity, your life will always lack meaning and purpose. Can I preach this to the college student? Can I preach this to the 20-something? How many of you 50 and above want to come up on this stage and grab the microphone with your pastor and just say millennial and Gen Xer and, and Gen Z coming up? Like, how many of you 50 and older would say amen? to that like no that's that's your chance I set you up like how many of you 50 so let me read this again if what you're doing isn't <clears throat> how many of you 80 and, and up uh, <laughs> would say if what you're doing isn't connected to eternity your life will always lack meaning and purpose come on 50 and up say amen amen right because you've been you've been there but 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 that's not what you're being preached a gospel of temporary you're being preached this gospel of, yeah, I know that I know that didn't work for Tom Brady, but what if you're better than Tom Brady? Well, that ain't happening, okay? So I don't know how many Super Bowl rings you think that it's going to take to give you meaning and purpose in your life, but it doesn't work without Jesus. It doesn't work. None of this works without Jesus. So the key question for us is how does what I'm doing matter in light of eternity? 
How does what I'm doing matter in light, in light of eternity? Let's dive in with four. Let me give you four sub-questions to help you, help you process this question. Number one, do you have a relationship with the eternal one? Remember, we talked about this last week. Eternity, hear, hear this, hear this. Meaning is never a destination because you'll never get there. Like you think you'll almost get there, but then they'll move the bar on you. They'll tell you if you just make it to this, then you'll be happy. And, and this, this is what happens. So meaning, meaning is never a destination that you go to. Meaning is a person that comes to you. Meaning is the person of Jesus Christ. God reveals himself in the book of Exodus. He says, I'm the eternal one. He says, I am that I am. I am Yahweh. I am the, I am that I am. I am what, whatever you need me to be, I will meet that need. And then he says, I am the eternal one. And then in the book of John, it describes Jesus. And it says about Jesus that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So it describes to Jesus, he is the son of God. He is God. He is the eternal one. So meaning is a person. Meaning is a person. Stop chasing things. Stop chasing experience. Experiences. See, for the boomers, it was stuff. For the millennials, it's experiences. The boomer says, I want a big house, and I'll just live in this house all my life. Millennials say, I want a tiny house, and I'll travel, and I'll have experiences. And hear, hear me, it's, it's, all, it's still, you're chasing something other than. Does that make sense? And Xers, we got caught in the middle, and we're just messed up on both ends. Like, we like, do I want stuff and I want to experience it? And like... It's all like, and I'm not telling, I'm not telling you not to travel. I'm not telling you that, that those things, I'm just saying that those things without Jesus will leave you so frustrated and so broke. <laughs> and then you'll be frustrated that you're broke and it just starts piling up. So do you have a relationship? That's what I want to tell every atheist, every agnostic, every Hindu, every Muslim, every person that used to be in church that's walked away and is not in church is that if you don't have a relationship with the eternal one, you'll never experience meaning and purpose in your life. And then the second question is, am I connecting to the eternal one in prayer? So here's where it gets frustrating for those of us that have said yes to Jesus as we say, well, I get that, that somebody that's not a Christian is struggling with finding meaning and purpose in their life. But, I, but like I said yes to Jesus, I'm a Christian and there are some things in my life that I thought would mean more in my life than they do and they, they don't. So how, how does this work? Well, for those of us who are Christians, we got to connect daily to the eternal one in prayer. It's the key. It, re it resets us. So let me explain it like this. Um, and I'll just use me as an example. So I want to live for eternal purposes. I want to live for the eternal one. I want to live for Jesus. I want my priorities to be eternal priorities. But I have this, I have this inbuilt, nobody else, like I don't need a commercial to do this. I don't need you to do this in my life. I got this inbuilt alarm clock that just starts, that just starts going off and screaming like temporary, like temporary. Like you need to, you need to worry about this. You need to be anxious about this. You need to be further along in your life than this. And so I'll go over and I'll, I'll just, okay, I'll, but here's what I do. Maybe you don't do this. Here's what I do. I just try to cover up temporary with more temporary. 
And so I say, I'm not going to deal with the problem. I'm just going to hit the snooze button and I'm going to try to distract myself from my fear. And I'll try to distract myself from my worry. So I was worried about something. I'm sure Netflix has the answer. And I'm sure that I know like Netflix, okay, it didn't do it in the first hour, but maybe the second hour of Netflix. And then, okay, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll watch something and scroll through my Instagram feed at the same time because that'll give me peace. Like that, that will help connect me. And so like the, the temporary alarm is going off and I just try to cover it with more temporary and that doesn't work because I just ended up hitting the snooze button and the stupid thing goes off again and it's screaming at me again of like, hey pastor, you should be further along in life. Come on, you should be releasing more leaders. You should be doing more of this things. And, I get, and so I hit that again. And so then I go down and I start trying to do the things that my internal temporary alarm tells me to do. So I gotta do more. Well, let's do more. Let's do, let's, let's, so I'm the OCD firstborn. So maybe if I make a list of all the things that I'm supposed to be doing and check those things off the list. And just when I'm about to have a Holy Spirit moment, there's something that gets added to the list. And no matter how many times, so this, this, because that's the gospel of the world, temporary, 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 fix this, do this, chase after this. If you try this, if you eat this, if you build it, temporary, temporary, if you go to this restaurant, temporary, temporary, gospel, gospel, you're being inundated, social media feed, temporary, temporary. And here's what I found is that I need, I need, like, I need a lot of prayer is what I need. I need a lot, it takes a lot of prayer Sometimes, um, can I let you in on a little secret? Sometimes it takes your pastor an hour into my prayer time just so I am not distracted by all the other stuff where I can even begin to focus on Jesus. Some, that's a little frustrating, to be honest. Sometimes I get an hour in and I'm like, finally, I start, I'm starting to connect with God. I don't say that to brag. I say that to encourage somebody. That's how much we're inundated with this gospel of temporary. Sometimes we just need to, we just need to press in and, and, and prayer, prayer is that thing. So, so even when this alarm clock goes off again and it is, and I'm saying, so, so now I'm like temporary. I ain't trying to hear that. I'm not going to live my life for those things. I got an eternal purpose. I got an eternal purpose. And through the power of prayer and through the power of Jesus Christ, temporary, I'm about to bust you up. I'm about to kick you. Oh, hello there. That, I knew that was going to happen in the 1130 service because that just, as the morning goes on, your pastor gets a little more, I don't know, uh, foolish. But li listen, you can It's only one of our board members. <laughs> Looking forward to that next board meeting, Pastor John. Can we get some flowers sent to um, maybe a cake or... <laughs> I was going to... Can I tell you what I was going to do? And then, like, so I thought about throwing it up in the air and just... But... <clears throat> But here's the thing, y'all. You can't play with temporary. You got to crush it. 
You got to crush it. You can't play. You can't play it around because the enemy doesn't let. He doesn't let go. He worry about this. Stress about this. Fear. Fear this. You got to. You got to go with your prayer bat into your prayer closet and say, "I'm about to live my life for Jesus and eternal purposes and eternal things, and I'm gonna win people to Jesus. And whatever it takes, I will live. Come on, if you want to live for eternal things, can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise today? I'm not trying to hit the snooze button anymore. I'm trying to eradicate things. I'm trying to, I'm trying to live on purpose. I'm trying to live for eternal things. I'm trying to dive in here and then, and then oh, let me, let me, I'm going to make your week better. I'm going to make it better with one question. One question. Number three, how does my current situation matter in light of eternity? So when you're at the drive-through of Bojangles and they mess up your order tomorrow morning and you're late to work, how does my current situation matter in light of eternity? Uh, Mama, you just put the baby down for a nap and you're hopeful for at least an hour and a half of me time and you walk out and the older brother and sister are fighting. How does my current situation matter in light of eternity? You thought that Thursday was going to be an easy day and the boss calls an impromptu meeting and he is going or she is going on and on and on and it feels like eternity and you're thinking, I got to pick the kids up and I got to get them from soccer practice and I got to prepare dinner and I got to do this and I got a, a deadline. I got to know how does my current situation matter in light of eternity? You go to the refrigerator at 1030 this evening and open the door and that piece of cheesecake is calling your name, you can say, okay, how does my current situation matter in light of eternity? And you can now dive in because you're just going to be meeting Jesus sooner and you're going to be entering, come on, come on, somebody get blessed today. Like how does my current situation matter in light of eternity? And if you'll write that on your heart or on your mirror or put it on your desk at work or your steering wheel as somebody is driving a different way and you would drive in front of you. How does my current, when the parking lot people at church are trying to bless you and trying to get you into a parking spot, but you want to park where you want to park, how does my current situation matter in light of eternity? It'll free you up. I'm just trying to get you free. I'm just trying to get you free from things that are temporary and don't really matter in light of eternity and get our eyes onto Jesus and things that will matter forever. There's a lot of glass up here. <laughs> Band, be careful when you come up on, put your shoes on. <laughs> Here's the fourth thing. Am I doing work that matters for all of eternity? Am I doing work that matters for all of eternity? So you'll hear... Uh, Pastor Steve talking about growth track, or you hear Pastor John talking about growth track. Here's what growth track is. It's not, it's like we started it for people that were new to CFA, and if you're new to CFA, sometimes coming into a larger uh, church can feel a little bit intimidating, and, and that's why we started Growth Track, to introduce you to all the things we got going on and relationally connect you. But can I say that Growth Track isn't just for new people, it's for, it's for every people. <laughs> 
like that's bad English, but it's for, it's for, all, it's for all of us. Because here's what Growth Track is, just real simply. It's us trying to partner with the Holy Spirit and you to unlock meaning and purpose in your life. And once you begin to connect to that and how can I be a world changer, you start to take, see you're not t just tasting ministry, you're tasting meaning. You're tasting purpose. You're tasting the reason that God puts you on this planet. Let me tell you this story before we close. 1904 in Chicago, there was a young man by the name of William Borden. He was the heir to the Borden fortune. His family was extremely wealthy. He didn't even have to really go to college. He could have stepped right into the family business. Uh, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars were waiting on him, probably millions even at, in the early 1900s. But Borden graduated high school uh, at 16. And as a graduation present, as a graduation present, his parents got him a trip around the world. Not a bad graduation present, right? And so he gets on a ship and he's traveling. And he goes to China. And while he's in China, the Lord calls him to be a missionary. He comes home and he's all excited and he tells his friends. And as you may have found out in life, sometimes the people that you think would be the most excited about what God's doing in your life are the people that resist you the most. One of Williams, one of Borden's friends said to him, he says, he says, Bill, you're throwing it all away being a missionary. And William Borden, as a young 16-year-old, took his Bible and opens up his Bible to the very back page, the blank page, and he just writes these words. He, he pens the words, no reserves, no reserves. The next year, he enrolls in Yale and is a freshman at Yale. He says, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not gonna wait till I end up in China. I'm gonna start something right here. And the, the spirituality of the campus was not what he had expected. And so he just, instead of complaining about it, he decides to do something about it. And the kid sitting across from him at lunch in the cafeteria says, hey, you, you wanna pray tomorrow morning? The kid's like, well, I, I guess I'm not doing anything. And so they start meeting. And then the, the kid that was sitting uh, uh, next to him at lunch the next day, they invite him. And soon there were three of them and, and then multiples of them. And by William Borden's, the end of his freshman year, there's 150. There's 150 people that are meeting together and praying every, every day, but it didn't stop there. See, what these 150 started doing is they started looking at their other classmates, for freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. There was about 300 people in every class. And so they started going down the list and saying, who needs Jesus? Who needs Jesus? Who needs? And so they went all through that. They started targeting them. And people were like, hey, I'll take this person. I'll take this person. And then it would get to the person. Think of who this person would be in your high school or your college. But they got to that, per that particular person and everybody was like... Just kind of looking away and William Borden would be like, all right, I got him. Bring it, he'll, he'll be in my group. He'll be in my group. And so by the time this went on for years all the way through, so they went from three to 150. When William Borden graduated Yale out of the 1,300 students at Yale at that time, 1,000 of them were in prayer meetings. 1,000 of them are meeting together and God's just doing this amazing thing and, and working. And, uh, but, that, but that wasn't all. William Borden didn't, didn't just stop there. 
while he was in college. Late, late at night, he would go down uh, and wait for people to come out of the bars and start ministering to the people that were suffering and, and, and had made these choices of alcohol abuse. And, and he would reach out to the orphans and the widows. And he would even sometimes bring people into this, his dorm room and, and, and let them stay with him and disciple them. And he just, he poured himself out and he poured himself out and then he graduated. And uh, the fortune was still there. And now it was the family fortune, but job offers from other places. And William Borden took that same Bible and right underneath the location where he put no reserves, he wrote this. He said, no retreats, no retreats. There's no plan because there's no plan B in the call of God. God didn't call me. God called me to China and I got to get to China. And so then he goes on to Princeton and enrolls in seminary. And he spent two years in Princeton seminary. And then he graduated and he said, okay, now China, here I come. But the people group that God had called him to in China was a Muslim group and they spoke a certain dialect. They spoke a certain language. So he got on the ship and he, and he went to Egypt where uh, he was able to go through language training. And he went through this language training and he went to as he was going through the, the language training in Egypt, he con contracted um, spinal meningitis and, when it, and within one month, he was dead, 25 years old. You say, what, was that a waste? Was that a waste of a life? Was that a waste of a calling? Because you, you could have had it all, William. You could have... You could have had the houses, you could have had the cars, you could have, you could have had all of those things, or, or you could have just played it safe and, and, and stayed in the United States. Did you, did you have to do all that? And, and, and in his Bible, underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, before, before he passed away, he had penned these final words, and he said, no regrets, no regrets. Church, I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, at the end of my life, because someday, someday, listen, we're all going to get there. You are eternal. And unless Jesus comes back, a preacher is going to stand on a stage at your funeral. And will you be able to say, I lived my life in a way that I had no reserves and I didn't turn back. Though people were coming against me, though the enemy was coming against me, I didn't retreat and I will live my life in a way that I got no regrets. I got no regrets. I got no regrets. But maybe you're here and you say, you say something like this. Okay, pastor, I see where this is headed. Pastor, you got like a missions trip for China that you're wanting us to all sign up? No, 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 no. Listen, there, there are people here in this audience with a full-time vocational call to missions. And actually maybe the Lord is reminding you of that call. And uh, just because you received it at 12 or 15 and have been pushing it off for a, few, for, for a while, and maybe you even have a family or a career, hey, talk to, the, talk to the Oakleys. The Oakleys didn't push it off. They just got called later. I'm just saying God can call people even when they got families and relaunch them onto whatever journey. There are, there are students, some of them, I just know their story. This part, this is not a word of knowledge or anything. I just know that there are students in the house that have a call to full-time missions. And, and so, so there's that, but, but that's not part, the part of the story that I want you to catch. For most of you in the house today, for most of you listening to online, I don't want you to hear China 
This is so key. This is so crucial. I want you to hear Yale. I want you to hear that this, that meaning for you is not eternity someday. Meaning for you is bringing the eternal one into your today, into your, into your current situation. Some of you are stuck, feel like you're stuck in a job that you don't like, but even a job that you don't like can have meaning and it can have purpose. If you bring Jesus with you into that situation, student that's struggling through college and you're like, when am I going to get out of this? When am I going to get out of high school? No, 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 no. Bring Jesus into your high school. Bring Jesus into your classroom. And if you will bring the eternal one with you into whatever situation you're in, you'll find meaning start to rise within you. You'll find purpose start to rise up within you. You'll find destiny start to rise up within you. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, over all our locations today. If the prayer of your heart, you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I want to echo those words. I want to pray those words right now. I want to pray that I will live a life that has no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I want no regrets in life, no reserves in life, no retreats in life. Pastor, I'm saved. I'm saved, but that's what I want out of my situation. Father, in Jesus' name, I just release vision in the house today. I release that eyes of the mind and of the heart would open now in Jesus' name. I pray that people that you've been, you're here today and you've been feeling something, but you can't see it. I pray that you would now begin to see it. And I pray that you would not begin to see your future. I pray that you would begin to see your today and your current situation in light of how the Holy Spirit wants to use you in that situation. That you are going to begin, you may not have a change of location, but you're going to walk out of here with a change of perspective. You may not have a change in your financial situation, but you'll have a change of perspective that I see now how God is working in my current circumstance. Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, I wanna circle back to the first question that I asked. Do you have a relationship with the eternal one? Because again, it, it starts there. It's about a relationship with Jesus. That is the beginning step to unlock meaning, purpose, hope, all that you want out of life. It starts, it starts with Jesus. It won't be a perfect life. It won't be a mistake-free life. It's not a, Jesus isn't a genie in a bottle that you rub and he just grants all your requests. But, but he is the one who gives you meaning, purpose, and hope. So with every head bowed at every location and online today, if you say, Pastor, that's me. I feel like I'm walking around, but I'm not awake. I feel like I'm going through the motions, but I'm not alive. And I need Jesus to breathe his breath of life into my lungs so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. I'm gonna count to three, not as a gimmick, but as a point of contact. And I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to shoot your hand up to heaven. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down and we'll pray with you right at your seat. Who's in the house today that's gonna step into eternal meaning? One, two, three. That's 
me, Pastor. That's me. That's me. I need meaning. I need purpose. I need Jesus. I gotcha. Let's all pray together. Say, Jesus. Say, eternal one. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I know that I'm a sinner, but I ask forgiveness for my sin. I ask that you would take away the hurt and the pain and the meaninglessness. I ask you, Jesus, to breathe your life into my lungs so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus name now would everybody stand can we just say those words together can we say no reserves no retreats no regrets come on say it say it like you're awake 11:30 say no reserves no retreats no regrets come on let's give Jesus a shout of praise in the house today thank you so much for joining us here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.